Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash stuffpodcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash stuffpodcast. Welcome to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast, where we talk about all things Star Wars. My name is James. My name is David. And we and have, a, we have a special co-host today. Uh, it is the one and only Dominic Pace. Hey guys, how are you? Happy to be here. Hello to all your listeners and uh, hope everyone's staying safe. Yes, very true. And Dominic uh, was in the show, and you can see it in his shirt, uh, The Mandalorian. And... Uh, but before we start all that, since you're new to the show, Dominic, I have to ask you a question. What, who's your favorite Star Wars character, one? And two, which movie is your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, yeah, they're, they're simple answers, but uh, they, they're tried and true. Uh, you know, I always believe we have, obviously, a, an amazing generation right now of strong women. I believe in strong men. And there was no better alpha male than Indiana Jones and Han Solo himself. So <laughs> it was Harrison Ford. Uh, a man of amongst men, and uh, I think we need that with our boys uh, in society as well, strong men. Uh, and uh, hands down, episode five, the reason being is because the beauty of Star Wars to me, it's not just about the pew, pew, pew and the amazing visual effects. It really is about the mythology. It's about the connection of family. And you can have no better place than episode five uh, with that answer. So episode five without question. All right. I like that. Did you uh, did you celebrate uh, the 40th anniversary in any way of the Empire Strikes Back? Um, I did. I just by I mean, I, I posted a few things. I mean, one of my favorite lines, you know, I get asked that question often is, uh, you know, being Italian, I'm a romantic. So just that <laughs> I love you, I know, is uh, my favorite line. I posted something on social media, but I will never forget it. That was my first experience of Star Wars. In the theater, I was two years old when uh, uh, when episode four came out. So when I was six years old, sitting in that theater, I mean, I remember my eyes just <laughs> bulging. I just, I, <laughs> I mean, I feel like like it was yesterday. To where it's bigger than life at that age, and I and and, and I think music touches us more as children. It pulls at our heartstrings before we can even speak, before we learn about the universe, the world, and what better man to introduce us to that. Than the legendary John Williams, whose score in that movie is just absolutely gorgeous. So to have that as a six-year-old in a packed theater, where again life is bigger—you know, the world is just bigger than we know it—and um, and the performances of Ford and Fisher and Hamill and uh, Billy Dee, I mean, are just so believable. Uh, it, it brings that that movie and it brings the franchise to another level, which is why I think even as forty-five-year-old men, we're still collecting <laughs> the toys to to bring back those beautiful memories there. I love it. I love it. And I've, I've actually gotten in trouble because I love John Williams and uh, I did my top 10 list of like favorite moments in Star Wars and I messed up on my number one. I said the music is my favorite moment, which is not a moment, obviously, but for me, the music is just the, the one of the best things about Star Wars. And uh, and yeah, I agree. I agree 100 percent with you. So. um so how how should we do this? Should we should we do like discussion with Dominic, or do you want to do the news, David, and then Dominic and I kind of throw in our our, our tidbits, or how do you want to do this today, David? 
Uh, yeah, I say we just uh, do kind of our regular format. We kind of talk about the news first, then we'll probably talk to Dominic and ask him a few more questions at the very end. Right. Um, so, yeah, the big news, a lot of big news actually kind of came out uh, over the past couple of weeks here. Uh, Lucasfilm announced that uh, they've confirmed that they've pushed back the dates of uh, the new High Republic launch uh, to January 2021. And they cited that they are doing this due to general marketplace delays, which is, is understandable due it's understandable. to the climate of the world right now. Um, but yeah, they released an official statement uh, that I'd like to read here if I can locate it. It's, it's always in motion is the future. The quote from Yoda is just as relevant today as it was in the Empire Strikes Back, which was released 40 years ago. And while it applies to the uncertainty of the future, it also applies to Star Wars The High Republic. Star Wars High Republic is a massive interconnected cross-publisher initiative that will establish an all-new era of Star Wars storytelling. Set 200 years before the events of the prequel trilogy, the megastory will give readers and Star Wars fans of every age an entry point into the High Republic, a time of galactic renaissance when the Jedi Knights were at their height. Given these unprecedented times, we have made the decision to move the launch of Star Wars The High Republic to January 2021 to ensure that the launch is a grand and epic as it deserves to be. So that's the news on that front. I don't know, Dominic, are, are you aware of The High Republic and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, people have been asking me, like, what would be my favorite era in regards to, you know, where Star Wars should go? You know, as far as, you know, should it be in the back, you know, 10,000 years ago? Should it be, you know, uh, right after Rogue One or, or Episode Four or Episode Nine, et cetera? For me, what really touches me is really about the relationships, is about the performance and also the story. Um, I think we can't say enough about Rogue One. Uh, if Mandalorian was done in a wrong way, it really, it wouldn't matter what era it is. It really is about the, the, the heartstrings that it pulls, you know? So for me, I'm really excited. But again, for me, it's all about the content. I, I don't want to feel that it's forced. I just wanted to go back to what made, has made Star Wars so beautiful in the first place. And that is the belief in hope, the mythology, and also the connection, the parallels to family. You know, if you take that relationship between Obi-Wan and Hayden, it's not necessarily about Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. It really is about brothers, you know, in many ways, you know, and those connections. And that's what I'd like to see throughout the series are those connections that parallel to life to where we're able to connect with them. So if it's done in quality, which I'm sure it will, I mean, we know that Dave and John are one of us as well as Deborah Chow now. Um, I, I think it's, it's going to be an exciting thing. So I'm excited for all the content to come as long as they stick with that formula. It's not about the amount. It's about the quality. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, because you don't want them to be like, hey, this is the new big thing. This is the new big thing. And then all the books and all the comics come out. They're just going to be like, oh, it's good, but it's not Star Wars. It's not that feeling. Um, yeah. but, but, I, but I trust these authors, these authors who are in these storytellers who are doing this right now. They're all pretty great. Um, and they did say, uh, one of the guys did say, like, be sure to ask about the, um, what was it, the Santeca clan? And did you hear about that, David? Yeah, yeah uh, that immediately brought to mind uh, Max von Sydow's character, Laura Santeca. And it's like, wow, he has like a whole backstory. And I know he appeared in one of the comic books right before they announced the High Republic, where he mentions High Republic stuff. So it seems like they're, we're going to get that fleshed out with the whole Laura Santeca character and maybe his backstory, which is which is exciting. 
Unfortunate that Max Fancito has passed, but yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be something that's gonna be really Star Wars, quintessential <laughs> Star Wars. I think they're gonna go back and kind of flesh out his backstory. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I was a little um, disappointed with the Rise of Skywalker that they didn't reference the fact that this guy has the map to Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things, like, the moment in the movie happens, and when the movie's over, you're like, so why did this guy have the map? Why did Luke, or what, you know, like, all he had all these questions, and now we're going to maybe get, like you said, this whole clan of of this family who may be, like, just connected to the, the Force and to the Jedi, and they're going to, they're, you know, keeping all the secrets safe. I don't know. It sounds really interesting, and I guess we'll see what they do. And as of now, we just know that it's only books and comic books, right? Like that's all we know so far. Right, about the, the novels, Republic. comic books. Um, I think young adult novels as well. But um, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Yoda's around, Maz Kanata's around, mm-hmm. so it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of build around the lore of the Jedi and how much influence yoda will have and maz here's my question to to both of y'all do you think they're gonna pull from the the old republic the uh the, the star wars legends now do you think they're gonna pull for some of those storylines and interweave them into the high republic to kind of start making a little bit of that storyline canon now i mean what do y'all think I mean, I, I honestly think that the great thing that makes Dave special, uh, you know, or whoever's heading it up, I think that you're going to use his formula because I think he did such a great job with Rebels and Clones, uh, mm-hmm. is when you do intertwine everything. Because, you know, I, I think it's great to have those backstories. It adds to the depth of the character. And also, I know that it feeds the fans, uh, which, I mean, is, is the majority of the people who watch, you know, some of the detailed animated series. So I, I'd like to believe the, the answer to that would be yes. And I think they do it so beautifully. Hopefully with Gecko as well. <laughs> at <some> point. <laughs> uh, just because, uh, again, anytime you have that three dimension of a character, you have the backstory. You know, you mentioned Max von Sydow. Um, you know, it, it makes uh, it makes it so much more um, worthy of watching uh, just to know the depth of everyone there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about what about you, David? How do you feel about like them? Yeah, I, I'm, I definitely agree with Dominic. Just having everything kind of. Uh, call back and and harken back to past stories and and that really gives star wars its tremendous depth and it's one of the aspects of star wars i think everyone loves that everything on screen has history has a backstory and it, it goes back to the very first film it's it's one of the great things one of the many things i love about star wars and with dave filoni coming more to the forefront here doing the Mandalorian and doing the last season of clone wars and, and possibly doing more animation in the future. I mean, Dave, and I, we say it all the time on the podcast and Dave Filoni, we trust. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's proven it over and over again that he, he knows star Wars. He knows what, what the fans want because he is a fan. Like if that story in the gallery, when he said, when he almost, when he felt like he didn't get the job for clone wars, the only thing he thought was, man, I have like the bragging rights that I have now to all the other fans are just, I'll, I'll be standing in line to watch the next Star Wars movie and be like, I met George Lucas, you know, like that was, even if he didn't get the job, he was just happy that he met George Lucas. So that's the kind of fan we're talking about. Somebody like us, you know, like who's like, oh my gosh, this is great. So, you know, so the High Republic, them intertwining it, and then hopefully we get some you know, some shows off of this. Cause you know, like you said, Dave Filoni knows what he's doing. 
give him this material, man, he would he would just fly with it. It would be it would be amazing to see the the lore that he creates and these characters that he's I don't know he's kind of effortlessly creates some of these characters that are just so iconic and uh, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with High Republic. But I am disappointed we're not gonna get it this year. That was kind of like a silver lining for 2020 was like okay we may still get these books now, but now it looks like we have to wait till 2021, which yeah. does. So let me ask Dominic this question is since you've worked with Dave Filoni and I'm pretty sure you're probably friends with him. Um, is he, he as cool as we're all thinking he is on set and <laughs> yeah. as knowledgeable. I, I tell you what impressed me the most was the fact that this is, was a 100 plus million dollar budget. This was his first live action directorial debut. I was there for the first week. Lucas was there. Kennedy, you had some suits from Disney. As cool as the other side of the pillow. I mean, it just really is amazing um, how calm him and John are, along with Deborah, how focused they are, how professional they are. You know, I'm not an old, old man, but I come from the early 90s to where there was no Me Too movement. Uh, directors uh, and producers and first ADs, they would throw curse words. I mean, they'd be cursing. They would be yelling. Uh, you'd be harassed. I mean, you know, depending on what level of authority you were at on, on set. And it was just so beautiful to see a production where it just flowed effortlessly with that level of budget. When you talk about the old stories of, say, Michael Bay or James Cameron, when you're dealing with that kind of budget, I mean, they spared no expense in terms of if somebody needed to get fired, they'd be fired in front of everybody. You know, I mean, it was just, it was brutal uh, before, you know, and again, I mean, it wasn't just something that affected women, it affected everyone. So, I mean, just to come on the set and to feel how pleasant everyone was, not to mention with the pressure of this kind of budget, not to mention the pressure of, I mean, let's face it, Solo and Episode 8 had mixed reviews uh, by a lot of the fans, by a lot of the, you know, society. They had a lot on their shoulders. And for this man to come on set every day and, and literally be just so relaxed and so focused, uh, it was just great to watch. I, I owe him a lot. He and John and Deborah approved uh, Gecko there. Um, you know, when you do a screen test, which, I mean, usually you're only with productions that uh, have a, a tremendous amount of budget because normally they just get thrown, you get thrown right onto set. Um, they can just say, no, I, I don't really want to go with this character, what have you. So uh, I owe them a, a tremendous amount, obviously, as a Star Wars fan. Um, but I mean, I, I, it just it cannot be in better hands between him and John just because of how how calm and and uh, and, and professional they are, I think, in every way. And not to mention their level of intelligence, which is beyond words. Well, so Filoni was on set every every single day. Yeah, they kind of intertwined. You know, John, they, they, some of the episodes inter, um, kind of uh, overlapped, in other words. So uh, when we did the cantina scenes, that, you know, which I was in episode one and three, uh, we would do some on, you know, uh, the morning we would do maybe some from episode one, but then Deborah would be there for, say, episode three, where maybe the third quarter of the day uh, they would, you know, film me at the, at the bar, you know, look at in the tracking fob scene where they all go off, et cetera. So they all kind of overlap, but I think that's even more of a compliment to everyone's uh, just humble personality and that there were no egos. You couldn't feel any, any of that whatsoever. And I think you see that through the story. I was on a show called True Detective, uh, the second season, years ago, and it ended up being a flop. And you could tell, even before the, the show came out, between you can feel you know, the, the kind of the friction between the stars and the producers and directors. More often than not, there's a lot of egos in this town where unfortunately you have too many hands in the pot. And you can have this mm -hmm. in a business. You know, you'd be running a restaurant and you've got an assistant manager with an ego. You've got a, a waiter that's there for 15 years, the big star of the movie who's got a huge ego. 
there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So with that being said, it's such a compliment to the entire production team because, again, it was just effortless from, um, from start to finish for the, my 10 days that were there. That's awesome. And, you know, Beautiful. watching the gallery there on Disney Plus, you can see that everyone's just really, you know, focused for one, but you can also see that everyone's having a great time working yeah. on this, on this show. And, and like David said, like, is it, is Filoni really as cool? And then for me, I'm like, was it really as chill as we're looking at on the set? You know, and you have a, you have somebody like Favreau who's, you know, been around for a while, who's amazing at what he does. And you have a, you know, all, you know, Kennedy kind of overseeing a lot of it. And um, so you have, have all of those on set and they all, and you're saying that everything, everybody was chill. Everyone was focused. Everybody was, was calm. There wasn't anything like crazy yeah. happening. No, no, not, not whatsoever. Uh, if, if you also go to uh, the premiere uh, from the 500 first, they were invited in New York, Chicago, and also Los Angeles. I mean, Dave took two hours to just take photos with everyone. You know, I mean, that's the kind of person he is. He cares about everyone. And you could see, even like I said, you know, I mean, well, like we've been talking about just with Rebels and with clones, et cetera. I mean, just the fact that, you know, he really just cares about the fans in terms of, you know, I think our love, at least Generation X, of the original trilogy. Um, so I, I think there's just not enough you can say about the man. He, he really is uh, absolutely amazing. And, and again, I, and I, I say that because I have met some celebrities to where, you know, they, they put on a persona on screen and then all of a sudden you meet them and they're not the greatest people. So uh, Dave, though, I can't say enough about it. I mean, just really down to earth. And, and again, with that kind of budget, I mean, most people would be pretty overwhelmed. So I, I think it says a lot more about him in that regard. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, you know, you know, David and I and Joseph on the Star Wars Up podcast, you know, we would report on the budget of Mandalorian and it always seemed like what the number was just kept growing each, each and every month. It was like, it's this much an episode. It's this much an episode. So it's, 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 it's that was crazy. But I love, yeah. I love the Mandalorian. Yeah, the child I think was five million alone. Um, but I'll tell you, guys, uh, you know, this uh, LED screen is really something. I I keep joking on some of the podcasts that I think we all have a dream when we buy that Powerball ticket of you know what major Star Wars thing we'd have in our backyard. I always say like I'd have a million Falcon with like a man cave in the back of you know where I'd invite my friends and mm. have on on Sundays and weekends. But really, honestly. It would to be to have a room in that mansion with this LED screen where you can have 13 to 15 channels. It is so crystal clear. My vision is perfect. I was 20 feet away. And during my screen test, uh, episode one, they were doing the sort of the lair of um, Werner Herzog's uh, uh, office there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I swear to God, I mean, I just I kept staring at this screen. It wasn't even anything in outer space. It wasn't one of the big landscapes. It was just literally the back of his office. If you go back and see it, even the back of his office was used with LED screen, and you cannot even tell. I mean, you cannot tell the depth. You know, we've all been on those rides, you know, Terminator ride at Universal, or, you know, uh, they did an amazing job with Transformers. There's no question. This actually goes to the next level, uh, <laughs> and it's just amazing. So I think with season two, I think what we're going to see is just a lot of new worlds, uh, just because I think they're going to flex this thing to the fullest power. I'm excited to see uh, some battles, because I think what's going to happen, some battles in space. They're able to use the camera to where they're able to maneuver around the X-Wing or maneuver around, you know, the Razor Crest in such a way that we haven't seen before because this screen can cover, I think, 270 degrees or even 360, I think, if they wanted to. So um, I think we're in store for a, for a lot of exciting uh, visuals there to come. I remember when I watched uh, Solo, whenever uh, Lando and uh, L3 are in the Falcon and they go into hyper hyperspace and you see the, a different angle 
of the hyperspace going and then the camera like look, looks over at you know you know at a Alden Ehrenreich and it was one of those things where it was like that was all done in camera like you, it wasn't added in later like the actors are able to sit there and you're able to experience this whole world pretty much like you said surrounding you almost completely and you know I was watching the you know the gallery and I'm just looking like that wasn't real like that wasn't they didn't build that what is it just blew me away and i'm pretty sure there's other things in that whole thing that i'm like i that that looked real 100 percent. but yeah i'm sure the moab you know filming commission up in utah must be upset because uh yeah i mean you know if you go to episode two it just totally looks like they're in utah similar to you know to the third episode of indiana jones i mean where they had to go on location mm-hmm. uh, i i think even now you know maybe with the new restrictions due to the virus i think this is going to help uh, because you can travel to other worlds, but also keep it safe with a tightly knit crew there. Um, so I, I think it's great for cinema. And, and uh, you know, again, I think it's a little unfortunate. I've, I've been a huge lifetime uh, fan of movie locations. Even in the state of Texas, you guys got some amazing ones. Um, but, uh, I, you know, if it's going to save on budget and who knows, maybe you'll line the actor's pockets a little more. Uh, I'm, I'm always for that. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, it, for me, it all goes back to George Lucas's like, his way of making movies, you know, and in uh, Bryce Dallas Howard said, it's like George Lucas's garage. Like that's what his dream was like just to make a movie, you know, digitally, but like to have it all in one place and you can control the elements. Cause if you go back to the first star Wars, even empire, I mean, just the, the, the production was just, you know, like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Oh, and, and then I, you get, yeah. Yeah. Over the last few months, I've become friends with some of the, uh, the other side characters from the star Wars universe. And, uh, I've become really good friends with Steven Constantino. He's one of the original uh, Gamorrean guards. And uh, you're just telling me about locations. And, oh, my God, I just – I'm sitting there, like, with my jaw dropping because I think any Star Wars fan would have died. They had, He had such an intimate experience with the lead cast uh, in 1982 uh, out in Yuma, Arizona, with uh, all of them there. There weren't that many. So, I mean, he was taking a private plane with, you know, Billy Dee and Carrie Fisher. And, nice. you know, Ford had his own private, of course, but just all the stories hearing from him, you know, in regards to being on location with all the legends, not to mention playing a side character, uh, just is, is just, I think, every Star Wars fan's dream there. <laughs> oh, yeah, very true. We're getting sidetracked. Sorry, David. Uh, more news. We'll, we'll get back to more cool, cool, cool stuff here, Dominic. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't think we're getting sidetracked. Everything that Dominic's saying is wonderful. I love it. Oh, um, yeah. oh go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so one of the things that you uh, actually kind of brought up a little bit was um, – Solo. Uh, May 25th is, of course, the date that uh, Episode 4 debuted Star Wars before it was titled Episode 4 New Hope. And May 25th was actually a day where there was a big movement online. And the movement was for Make Solo to happen. And that was actually trending uh, worldwide uh, very, very high. And I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, people at Lucasfilm saw that and noticed that. And I just wanted to see what your opinion is on, on a solo two maybe TV series film possibly? Uh, well, first and foremost, you know, the one thing I, I would just like to address is just the, the toxic fandom uh, because, uh, you know, whether I like or dislike a movie, um, it, it doesn't, it should never take away from the joy of people, of every fan in terms of how they view their characters. You know, I, I went in to go see a movie Midsummer uh, last year and there's this awesome young lady uh, who was at the concessions, you know, she was serving my wife and I, and, uh, you know, and she was like, what movie are you going to go see? It was in midsummer. She goes, have you seen Dark Phoenix? I said, no, you know, it's just not something that really, you know, interests me. And she went on and on. And there was just a glow in her eye 
of how passionate she was about this film. So before I answer this, I just want to say that it's no one's right to take away the joy of a movie or the joy of characters uh, uh, to anyone. With that being said, I, I just, you know, growing up in Generation X and growing up with Harrison Ford, I had a very hard time personally. I thought that the actress who played Kira uh, was amazing. My concern with the show was I didn't feel that it was solo. I thought the film should be called Kira. So the <laughs> issue is, is just the fact that I had an issue with the storyline. There is no question that Solo and Chewie, uh, they deserve an extended story. I just had some issues in regards to where the show was going. And the Han Solo that I remember um, had an alpha about him that my concern due to, you know, all the social issues right now might be offensive. The fact that he didn't take, you know, no for an answer. I mean, that he was uh, sort of uh, dominating in many ways. So I, I, I think Alden's an amazing actor. I just personally... I left the theater, I wasn't as, as enthusiastic as I was with Rogue One. So I, I think it's great. I think any content for Solo is amazing. I think the fans, everyone deserves that right to be passionate about one thing or the other. But just personally, I just thought the movie should be called Kira because I thought it centered around her and not necessarily uh, his journey as the alpha male that we remember. So that's my only thing. I, I don't, but again, I, I don't ever want to take away, whether it's episode eight or, or Solo, uh, from any of the fans in regards to truly enjoying the ride of any movie. And I think any part of content of Star Wars should continue. But I just, that was my own personal issues as far as passionately saying, oh, I want to see another one. I, I was just a little disappointed personally in the most respectful way. And yeah, what you talk about it is one of the great things about Star Wars. I mean, there's something for everyone in Star Wars at this point in time. You have animation, you have the films, you have TV, you have Ahsoka, you have. I mean, it, Ray, I mean, it, it's it's just a remarkable time and just the way that Star Wars has evolved and the, I mean, all the stories that we're getting feels like, I think to us on the podcast, it feels like we're not getting enough TV, but I mean, I think it's all on the way, of course, with Kenobi, with Deborah Chow and yeah. the Cassian series and probably a whole slew of other series. And of course, we're hardcore Star Wars fans. We want more, but yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying about having the having a Kira centric film, and yeah, it was kind of a Kira centric film. But I think it goes back to the marketing for this film and kind of the disadvantage that I think they were at when they released the film in May, when you had Infinity War coming out in April at the end of April, and then you had Deadpool two coming out, and then it's like, I mean, for the cash strap fan, I mean, that's kind of a tough call there. You have three major releases all at once. Sure. And then The Last Jedi had just come out too. So the thing I think that puzzled us is why didn't they just release it in December? And I think the the kind of the answer that we thought was, well, they're trying to release Mary Poppins, I think, at that point in December. And they didn't want to kind of cross on that box office. But I mean, it is what it is. And Personally, I hope that we get something along that solo timeline and we do get Donald Glover back and we do get uh, Kira back. And that's those are my wishes. I I personally think they yeah, they should maybe do a Disney Plus uh, show about, you know, you know, Kira's character and then plus everything there with Crimson Dawn. Bring back Ray Park, man. Ray Park's always eager to, to do something Star Wars. I love watching him like practicing all his 
his his fighting and everything. It's like, dude, the still dude still got it, man. He's still going. Um, but I personally, I, I thought um, I thought Alden Ehrenreich was was pretty good. I mean, because for me, it was a, it was a young solo, and he's got to grow into you know Harrison Ford, you know. But you know, it's, it, it was just a young guy got to grow into there. And um, I, I personally loved it, and I and I personally, you know, I, I hope Lucasfilm says, okay, maybe we should do this, and then and like let's 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 rework. Let's let's get this together and let's produce like one of the best sequels ever. And I I think they could do it. There's a good way to do solo to where everybody would be like, okay, they're they're okay. That's it. That's it. But I mean, if if I was in charge of Lucasfilm, that's what I would do. But of course, I'm not. Sure. But um, I I I was really shocked though. Like you said, David, like a lot of people were on social media May 25th hashtag and make solo two happen and i was like whoa everybody like not everybody but a good majority of people were kind of on board for this thing so yeah Lucas for for justice league (laughs) justice league's gonna get a whole snyder cut now so maybe if we all just get together we could keep maybe they'll they'll release something i don't know yeah i think lucasfilm does listen to us to a certain extent but um yeah it's i certainly so I mean, uh, I think that's the 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 just kind of the buzz around. Uh, hopefully, get an action figure has been uh, really big uh, with uh, amongst the fans there for Gecko. So uh, it's it's my hope as well that they definitely listen. And and again, I, I would definitely you know don't get me wrong, I would definitely be right in the seats there for Solo Two without question. What was your favorite action figure growing up? I, I mean, you can't say enough about the bounty hunters. I think there's something mysterious about them. But Boba Fett for a five year old, not to mention you know the colors, but the rocket and also the helmet. I think is uh, probably one of the most unique things. Uh, so uh, for me, it was Bobo without question. And, and of course, the Slave One, I thought that was kind of unique in terms of being horizontal, but vertical at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, when you take these, these toys or these figures uh, from the perspective of a kid, um, you know, some really pop out. I, the one thing for me, uh, the first play set that I had was the Cantina set. And just as magical as Han and Leia, if anything, Han and Leia, I mean, they were kind of boring in terms of being monotone. It was about Walrus Man and Greedo and Hammerhead when you're five <laughs> years old. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think that's the special thing with Star Wars, the thing that I, I, I constantly remain humble with, the fact that I think I probably had one minute of screen time, but just that this is the one universe where everyone is sort of special and unique in their own way, and there's an interest to them. So, uh, but for me, it was uh, Bobo without question there. That's awesome. And yeah. I, I knew somebody who had the Slave One uh, toy. This was back when, uh, in like the '90s, when the Power of the Force action figures were coming out, and yeah. somebody had that Slave One, and they would fly it around their room. And I was like, "That's the best thing I've ever seen." <laughs> like it was, it was so cool, you know. It was, it was a big toy too, which was I was maybe I was I was a small kid, but you know, but it was it looked pretty big at the time. Um, yeah, I totally agree with Dominic. The design of Slave One being horizontal and vertical, and yeah, it's. It's just amazing the designs that that have come out of Star Wars, and it, it's it's so unique to Star Wars as well. I mean, the lived-in universe, the spaceships, the, the I mean, the toys. I mean, I'm still buying toys. And on day, just, on day one, it uh, it took two hours to get me in makeup, and uh, they couldn't find my mask, and I didn't <laughs> want to go without my mask because, as much as you know, just you know, in sort of a self-centered way, it'd be like, oh, wow, I get more FaceTime. It wasn't about that. For me, it's about the intricacy of every character. And I said, there's no way that, you know, I, I would want this character to be without a mask because I think, you know, especially in the Star Wars universe, it just adds so much to that detail, whether it's characters or ships, uh, as opposed to just having like a, a, a basic plane, you know, you want to add a few little uh, gadgets to it there. So 
I, I didn't want to go. I almost lost my space in the cantina there, but I said, I don't want to leave until they find this mask. And thankfully in about 10 minutes, they had an assistant run up to the second floor. They found it in a bin. Um, so yeah, it, it just nice. you can't think up about the, uh, the design. And I think that's what makes Star Wars so special there. And you're, and you're right. Cause you know, these characters that you see like in the cantina, each of them now a lot of those characters in the cantina from you know a new hope have little backstories now they have little you know who they are and and little things like that so i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if like in a year or two the mandalorian like everybody in the guild has adventures themselves and everything like that like i'm it's probably gonna happen that's why well, i keep saying i said keep saying deborah you know she's directing episode uh, she's directing the kenobi series i said that i think that vader should commission a splinter cell of bounty hunters to go after Luke. I think we should get our ass kicked by Kenobi. And ultimately, uh, hopefully Gecko will be part of that, uh, that little uh, suicide squad there. That would be awesome. What, that would be she, awesome. Did, did you actually pitch that to Deborah Chow? What is, what did she uh, say? Well, I, indirectly. I think, I mean, I know they're listening. I, you know, I had a few people say, look, Disney would have told you, Hey, you got to chill uh, by now, but <laughs> I know they're listening to some of these podcasts there. So, uh indirectly i have uh, i have pitched it there so <laughs> fingers crossed there's been some major podcasts I've, I've definitely thrown that out and who knows where the storyline's going to go with them i know they had a little hiccup uh, in pre-production but uh I, I think that would be the greatest thing to have you know sort of this these badass bounty hunters uh try to go after luke and obi-wan just do his freaking thing you know being the amazing ewan mcgregor that he is there mm. That would be actually really cool. Then we'd be able to go like, oh, that's the person from Mandalorian. Like he showed up like he's got to he, he goes on to do this, you know, and like oh, that's what I it's great. I think, you know, when Ray Park was uh, and I'm sorry, when Liam was protecting, uh, you know, uh, young Anakin there, you know, uh, and, and Ray Park is coming after. I mean, just situations like that, I think can carry, you know, eight to ten episodes uh, just in regards to close calls of uh, of guarding this very precious child. We all care for so much, you know, uh, I think that would be pretty awesome. And God, I hope that's what the whole show is. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that is, you know, 10 episodes of, of Obi-Wan protecting and training and all, oh, man, yes. that would just be the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe, I mean, not that he would have a mind eraser. That's the only thing, you know, because you bring up a good point. That would be pretty cool to have Obi-Wan give him some teachings indirectly, but there's got to be a way to fit into the story to where he forgets about Obi-Wan, you know, mm-hmm. um, well, but that well, would be yeah. Well, well, I do know well, our, our good friend Joseph would have been the one to tell us, but he's not here today. But he, Joseph did say like there is something in canon now where Obi-Wan did run into Luke a few times uh, whenever he was growing up. So there's, nice. a, there's a few things that are out there right now. Whether or not they, they build upon that, we won't know. But yeah. man, I'm pumped for that Kenobi. And, uh, I hope you, and I hope you get to be in there too. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'm going on tour. One of the uh, special feet. I had a guy uh, do a really nice 3D printing of my gauntlets. And I, you know, whether it's the Marvel comic or the series, I just love them to expand on it because it's a really, really thick gauntlet. It's about two and a half inches thick. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, obviously, I think it has some special traits to it. So I'd love to utilize that as well as I picked the biggest blaster during uh, <laughs> when I went to the table. There are about 20 different blasters, and I picked the biggest one. So I'd like to believe that has some pretty pretty powerful uh, firepower there. So uh, it'd be great to see if they expand upon that story. And, you know, again, I mean, when you have Danny Trejo and you got Brie Larson uh, pitching to be on the show, I mean, you can only hope, you know. But uh, either way, I'm just grateful to at least have been a little sliver in it, uh, at least up until now. Man, Danny Trejo being a Mandalorian or any part of Star Wars actually would be the best thing in the whole world. <laughs> I oh, love man. Danny Trejo, man. He's awesome. I, I mean, I mean, he's definitely got the face. He's he's seen some life, that's for sure. Oh, very true. Very. If you ever know about 
If you've read anything about Danny Trejo, you know, he, yeah, he has seen some some life. And, and what a smart man. He's got uh, Trejo's Donuts and Trejo's Tacos in uh, L.A., and they are absolutely amazing, both places, if you ever get a chance. And he stops by often, which is pretty cool. All right, I'll have to – next time I go to L.A. I, I, I actually do go to L.A. a few times. I've been four times in the past two years, so next time I go, I'll definitely – Check that out. That Absolutely. sounds pretty great. Yeah. But um, uh, David, it, what, what other news uh, did we have today? So we had a, a patron ask us to uh, kind of speak on this. I know um, the um, casting news of Timothy Oliphant being cast as potentially wearing Boba Fett's armor, which kind of threw uh, some people off because we know that uh, Tamir Morrison got casted. Uh, back as Boba Fett, so people are asking, okay, so what's the deal if Oliphant's wearing the armor? Uh, what's the deal with Morrison? And apparently, uh, I guess the kind of belief is that Oliphant is actually playing a sheriff of uh, a town in Tatooine called Freetown named Cobb Vanth. That's his character's name. And he actually appeared in Chuck Wendig's novel, uh, I believe it was Aftermath, and He's a character that actually came across some Jawas and I believe he purchased some Mandalorian armor. That's what it was described as, as being um, acid worn, uh, which we all know Boba Fett perished in the Sarlacc pit. We thought, and of course the stomach acid would do that to the armor. So apparently we will see the armor back, but maybe not on Boba Fett. That makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense with the story and, and mind you this part of aftermath is actually just a, a vignette it's not even the a part of the book it's just this little section this little chapter that uh chuck windig wrote about that um but it, it does make sense that this character would have his armor which makes us all kind of wonder so what's the actual boba fett gonna look like when we do see him if we do see him in mandalorian season two but we're all pretty much saying he is going to be there, right? Boba Fett will be in season two. I mean, that's right. And I figured that he would be because at the end of one of the Mandalorian episodes where you hear the spurs, the iconic spurs of Boba Fett, I automatically thought Boba Fett, but a lot of people didn't jump on that. And of course we do know that several other characters do have spurs. I know Cad Bane has spurs, correct? Yeah. So do you know anything, Dominic? Or are you not allowed to say anything to us about that last? Well, it was episode four, right? It was episode four. Yeah, yeah. And even if I, I know, you know, people threw around because I think Cad Bane in a live action would look really badass. That would be dude. so amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I'm hoping for is I just love the the original six, and uh, I would just love a scene where I mean, I know Simon Pegg is is campaigning for Dengar, but Dengar was played by a middleweight or a heavyweight boxer. Uh, God rest his soul. Him like Alan Miller passed away. Alan Miller played Boss. Uh, but I would love nothing more than, you know, out of the shadows to see uh, Zuckus Forlom and Dengar just show up. And uh, I don't know, for whatever mission or whatever, you know, it'd be uh, just because, you know, being an original trilogy fan along with the Boba side story, I'm just hoping to see them. But for me, the one thing I would love to throw into the ring would be Vinny Jones as Dengar, because uh, I think it would just be more <laughs> of, a, of a worn, uh, you know, somebody, you know, if you can play uh, soccer for Wales over in England, I mean, you know, I yeah. think you deserve to be that uh, to wear that uh that outfit so i'd love to just see those guys but uh yeah i mean the, just the mystery behind boba i think dave and john will definitely do it justice and i'm i'm almost 100 percent confident that that that's going to come through at least with the boba side story there oh yeah it has to and i remember like my, my my face at the end of that episode when i heard when i just see the footsteps and i and i'm like, I'm like wait a second 
wait a second. And then like he starts to, or he or she, we don't know, starts to kneel down and cut the black. I was just like, there's no way, like, there's no way they're going to do what I think they're going to do. They might, they might, we don't know. Filoni is whatever. Right. Yeah. Man blows me away. But God, I want to, man, (laughs) if Boba Fett shows up. (laughs) But, um, all right, what else we got, David? Uh, so on May the 4th, I uh, they released a lot of products, uh, and we bought several of them. <laughs> and I got I ordered three I ordered the uh Chewbacca satchel that converts into a picnic blanket, which is the Millennium Falcon. It's pretty cool, it's built into the bag. Nice. And I also ordered a uh, May the 4th be with you pin, and I also ordered the mug for the 40th anniversary of the empire strikes back so i got the picnic blanket in and then i got the pen but the pen the 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 writing is actually upside down on the pen and it's <laughs> soldered onto the pen so it's upside down it says may the fourth be with you <laughs> and then i got the mug in later and when i picked up the box i didn't know it was the mug i picked up the box and i could tell something was broken inside so the mug was broken i opened it it was shattered in a bunch of pieces so i called the disney shop and I told them about it and they said, okay, we'll just send you new ones. And I was like, wow, really? And they like totally had the best customer service, this side of Amazon that I've seen. Must so, be nice to be, yeah, yeah, yeah have definitely. all this money just to be like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. We'll send that to you. No yeah. And I was like offering to send them <laughs> pictures and they're like, oh no, that, that's no problem. But they did say that the person I spoke with did say they're going to an automated system where all the merchandise is going to be packed by machines. So she gave me kind of the heads up for that, but I just want to give them kind of a shout out that that's great customer service there. Nice. Well, yeah, it's Disney. I mean, when I went to Disneyland, everyone, every single person there was like the nicest person I'd ever met. And I'm like, how do y'all do this? How do you find these people that are just ridiculously nice? But anyways, yeah, (laughs) that's like Dominic. (laughs) Yeah. Like Dominic. Yeah. Hey, so Dominic, so was, I, I know this is a dumb question, but it was like the, the the Disney presence there on the set of Mandalorian or were they just kind of like, you know, Kennedy, Favreau, Filoni were kind of just running the, the show or was there somebody there from Disney at all times? Um, I mean, I think it was it was Kennedy there and Lucas. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I just uh, I have to add to that story of just the fact that the Cantina playset was my first playset. So you got to imagine the confusion of running to get my mask. <laughs> and the excitement and just sort of the numbness of trying to take it all in, of being inside a cantina as a one-of-a-kind bounty hunter. And as I rush in, I'm seeing Lucas leaning up against the bar just nonchalantly. He's not, he's not very tall, so it's just like, you know, uh, it just kind of threw me. I, I met him years ago, but I, I forgot that he, he wasn't that much of a tall man. But just seeing him within his universe, along with Kennedy and Filoni, um, you didn't really feel the pressure. I think they trusted John. I mean, you look at Marvel. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, his history, I, I think they try, you know, he's earned that level of respect to where I don't think they, you know, there's, there's too many suits. I mean, it was maybe one or two, but ultimately it was just Kennedy and Lucas, but not in a way to where you felt anyone was biting their fingernails. It was just more of a, a very pleasant, uh, uh, demeanor, I think amongst everybody, uh, during the 10 days that I was there, but Kennedy wasn't there every day. So, I mean, I think that says a lot too, in terms of their trust with the, uh, the lead, uh, crew, uh, of John and Dave. Um, yeah, they were definitely there for day one and day two. Uh, Lucas was there, but it was more, it was less about overseeing in sort of a strict way of, of panic 
and more of just pleasant where you saw a lot of smiles and a lot of laughing. But just going back to those toys, I, I, I'm like heartbroken because so many uh, fans have said, oh my God, if this was 15 years ago with Lucasfilm, I, I mean, if you were a chair in the movie, they would make a figure. So now it's, <laughs> just, uh, you know, I know Disney has had sort of a different approach to it and just in regards to, you know, limiting. But I, I mean, the fact that the fans are like itching, I have people custom making Gecko left and right, like a three and three quarter, a black series, um, uh, minifigures, etc. I just hope that they they have get gotten the message that fans, there's still a market, even though you know obviously all the kids are more or less glued to you know uh, uh, their 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 phones. Uh, I think there's still a market for toy collecting, and I just hope that you know out of all seasons, out of all years, hopefully they just continue it on for a little bit longer to uh, you know bring out all the detailed figures like they have been, uh, just because that would be the ultimate dream come true i'm so grateful that so many people have made the custom figures but uh nothing compares to hasbro or pop or uh lego uh to be official there yeah they just released a, a new array of black series figures that came out two days ago i believe and i purchased three of them i i went to the pulse website i bought uh i believe the stormtrooper from the mandalorian i probably would have bought a gecko if it was there oh, um and I also bought uh, Zeb from Rebels. I saw the detail in his face, and it looked pretty awesome. So I yeah. did that, and the rest of it, it was on pre-order. It was all pre-order stuff. The rest of them were sold out on pre-order, but luckily there were other websites out there that had them for purchase for pre-order. So I, I was able to pick up Ahsoka, and I bought a couple others. But yeah, definitely if there's a Gecko figure, I'm definitely going to jump on that. Because like you growing up, I mean, I was I was a huge fan of that scene and Empire Strikes Back, it just it just fed my imagination. With yeah, Zuckus, Forlom, Dengar, Boba Fett, IG eighty eight, yeah. and to get IG eleven in the Mandalorian, that was super awesome. Oh, we have a friend. Uh, you know, we do a carpool uh, uh, with our kids to school on the West Side each uh, each day before this uh, this virus. Uh, and uh, he's a, he's a high profile guy in Disney and the nicest guy ever. And he said, I said, you know, listen, I said, do you mind? Can I show? Disney and can I show Lucasfilm what's going on on you know my my Facebook page and all the artwork and everything else? So he said, Dom. He said, absolutely. So I, I sent them an entire uh, pitch there. So you know, it's just now it was just right before the virus. So you just don't know if they had you know plans. Um, but but I'd like to believe uh, through the Marvel comic and and hopefully uh, being seen in in future episodes, uh, they'll they'll at one time or another go ahead and uh, and come out with a figure there. And you got to kind of believe more than likely something's going to happen with Gecko because Lucasfilm had plans for a Boba Fett slash bounty hunter film all the way back in 2014, 2015. There's going to be a panel with Josh Trank in 2015 that I actually attended. I went to that celebration and yeah. I was super eager to to hear about this bounty hunter movie because my imagination has just been going crazy my whole life with that scene from the Empire Strikes Back and just trying to imagine what kind of adventures and what bounties they would have. When they announced Rogue One, I thought that was going to play heavily into the Bounty Hunter universe. It didn't. Rogue One was still great, but I think you're going you're gonna to have a role to, to be in a film or TV series, and I, I, th I think the odds are, are really good. I'd like to believe so. I, I, you know, it's kind of good and bad news in that they haven't reached out in uh, certain ways. Um, but the other thing was, was that, you know, I've heard from people, you know, higher people in the high ranks of the 501st said, look, I mean, they would have called you in, you know, for, for if anything was wrong, 
And I think the fact that they haven't is good news. Just the fact that they appreciate what you're doing in terms of, uh, you know, being there for the fans, being an ambassador to the brand. Um, so I'd like to believe, you know, this is a campaign to hopefully continue on the character. And uh, again, I think, you know, just so much of a compliment to Brian Seip of Legacy Effects, who he had 20 creatures to create that morning. You have no idea how much work that takes from an entire team, not to mention dealing with the A-team. Um, but the fact that he put so much detail to the character, even through that crunch, he could have just thrown some little horns on me and made me a Zabrak. <laughs> um, but he spent two hours each day for two weeks. Um, and, and I think it's just a compliment to their crew of how much work they put into this uh, this series, even with, again, the, the side characters like myself. And, and again, I, I am hopeful that... Uh, because of the popularity and the look of him, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll continue on. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> it just truly speaks to the dedication that Lucasfilm hires people that love star Wars and put the love into it. And yeah. I think as a fan, as a hardcore fan, you're kind of living out our dream here, being in <laughs> the first ever TV series and just yeah. your passion, your enthusiasm. I've been following you for a long time. Oh, thanks, and, dude. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's been awesome to see you on social media, doing podcasts. And I'm so glad that you were our first, very first guest of our podcast. Oh, thank and, you. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, the beautiful thing about the side characters is it really is a yin and a yang. I've been fortunate to work for 20 years uh, with a ton of roles. I mean, principal roles, uh, co-stars and guest stars. But I think the beautiful thing about this is the side character cannot exist without the fan base. So one of my agents was like, oh, you should go on Cameo and, you know, charge to uh, to say happy birthday or charge to say hello. I said, absolutely not. Uh, I put out a few posts where I said, you know, if anyone needs a cheer up uh, message for one minute or two minutes or a happy birthday to their kid. Uh, there, This is the only universe where we exist um, with the with the help of the fans. Otherwise, any other series. I mean, I've done almost 100 shows. I mean, nobody even notices, you know, uh, it's it, so I'm just so grateful to everyone. And the fact that, you know, especially during these dark times, I'm able to add a little bit of happiness and hopefully throughout this tour, uh, throughout the country for 40 days, I'll be able to add some smiles as well. Uh, through our love of Star Wars, it just means the world to me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think we've kept you long enough. <laughs> You've gone a little over an hour. Um, but I just want to reiterate and say that, yeah, I've been following you. I've noticed you. You're all over social media. You have your own Facebook page. Um, uh, where can our listeners find you? Sure. Uh, GeckoTheBountyHunter.com. I'll have all my uh, appearance dates. I just added Colorado Springs, August 8th. Uh, I've got some fun merch there, and I appreciate everyone's support. It's uh, It's been really amazing. Uh, all the more reason for hopefully Disney to expand upon the characters uh, through figures and, and collectibles and shirts and everything else, uh, because the fans have just literally been so supportive. Uh, but Lair of the Gecko on Facebook. And again, if anyone needs to cheer up, uh, say, hey, my son is five years old. Can you send him a happy birthday? Without question, just uh, with, give me one day, and I'll be happy to send that over. I, I just can't tell you how appreciative I am of the entire Star Wars community. I come from New York and Los Angeles, where not everyone's rooting for you. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog uh, cities, both of them. So when I got this, and the fact that I know that so many fans would have loved to have been in my shoes, but to have seen the support throughout the country just makes me want to do more and more for everybody. And I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. So thank you to everybody. Dominic Pace all over social media and uh, appreciate the follow. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dominic. Thanks, guys. Have a great day and uh, be safe. Uh, hopefully I'll see you guys down in Corpus Christi. 
All right. I think you will. Awesome. Okay, guys. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. So, that was Dominic. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that was Dominic okay. Pace. Gecko that was Dominic Pace. I went back and watched that scene, and uh, he's right there next to Carl Weathers. And I was like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, he's right there. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, and I don't know what happens to him, though. He may, he may live. He may have died. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, think, I don't really think he knows what happened to him after the, the show. Well, he's alluded to the fact that he knows that he's still alive. So, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, Maybe I, I should have asked him that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know why. I was, I was just kind of like, I don't know. I was just letting him talk because it was really interesting <laughs> just to hear him talk about like the production and everything like that. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I just didn't want to keep him too much longer. Yeah, I know he's a busy guy. He lives in L.A. Yeah, and, uh, but yeah, I do have to go take out check out uh, Danny Trejo's uh, tacos now. Whatever. I yeah, hopefully if celebration happens, we can uh, swing by there for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. And then plus maybe just uh, we need to send him a shirt. So get uh, message him and get his uh, shirt size and send him a Star Wars stuff. Podcast. I already did that. And oh. when I see him in Corpus, I was planning on taking it to him personally. You know, get the picture. All righty then. Uh, I guess a few more things to talk about. Uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee had birthdays and um, they were very close friends and Grant, Grand Moff Tarkin and Count Duke, Duke, of course. I heard they yeah. got kicked out of a, um, I forget what movie it was. The two of them were laughing so hard. I think it was Snow White. It, it was it was some cartoon. Yeah. That they oh, no, no 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 it was Looney Tunes. Oh yes yeah. they they said they were laughing so loud and so hard <laughs> that they got kicked out of this theater. I mean, can you imagine being the theater manager being like, all right, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, you have to leave the theater. Right now. Um, that's a, that's funny. That's a, that's a good story. And they were good friends. They were they were they were like lifelong friends. You know, it's pretty, pretty. Yeah, cool. along with Vincent Price and Vincent. Yeah, there's a cool picture. All three of them together. I think you posted it on the Facebook page. It's pretty uh, pretty epic. A lot of epicness going on in that one picture. Yeah, I, there are some rumors floating around that I don't know if they're hundred percent accurate, ninety percent, or even maybe seventy percent accurate. But the one, I think the one that's maybe the closest to being accurate is the fact that Favreau and Filoni will be heading up the creative side of Star Wars and just overseeing everything. Everything's basically going to run through them, which is what all the fans want. I hope so. (laughs) But the more interesting side, the more exciting side, I think, to all that is the fact that it seems that And like a role reversal, the way George Lucas brought in Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni has brought in George Lucas. That's crazy to think about. (laughs) That is, you know, so, you know, George Lucas is in his 70s right now. You know what I mean? 
And this guy is still involved in this crazy world that he created over 40 years ago. And it, it, it seems strange to not include him somehow in all of this. So I'm, it makes me happy to think that this rumor may be true that he has brought back George Lucas and George Lucas is, is able to now kind of put more of his input into, you know, these stories that are going to be coming out now. Yeah. And he has put his input in it in, in the Mandalorian. Yeah. He's been on set and like Dominic said, he actually met him and he was like, wow, it, he's actually here. And yeah. we all know about Filoni and Lucas's relationship. Filoni is essentially George Lucas's son. Second, second for all son. Purposes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's basically like his son. He grew up under George Lucas's tutelage. I mean, Filoni is basically George Lucas's Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like Filoni has become a master. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all just really hoping that he kind of takes it over him and Favreau. I mean, they just form maybe the best star Wars team behind the scenes ever, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it was, uh, I think it was really smart of Lucasfilm to, to go with Favreau's vision. And then it was crazy of Favreau to be like, but I need Dave Filoni with me. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure that's how the meeting went, which was he pitched the idea. They loved it. And then he says, but I need Favreau to help me intertwine and bring in everything. Cause he and Favreau have been friends also for, you know, over 10 years since, you know, Iron Man and, you know, the, the movie clone wars. And so that, I thought that was really, really, really great. And man, the future of star Wars, like we said, is in, is in great hands right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next with these movies. And then now we got Taika, directing a star wars movie you know like that's just that's insane that's insane to think about yeah i mean that truly is i mean we all recognize his talent and then we like him as a person and him doing gallery talking on that did did you watch this last episode i think it's i I only saw about half of this last one i didn't see the whole the whole thing so yeah they they finally addressed the child baby yoda (laughs) Oh, I, I did see that part. I saw okay. the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard, they all called it baby, not yeah. the baby. They said baby, right. which that makes me realize like on the set, that was what it was called. Okay. Bring baby over here. Okay. Put baby over there. Okay. Baby's going to be right here. And so that's how they refer to, and man, some of those early designs for it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank God they went with this one, but man, some of those were just, like <laughs> a little creepy there. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear John Favreau talk about how they came up with the final design and how they went through all these iterations. And he talked about how that one image that I posted on the Facebook group that it was ugly and the other image that they had didn't quite work. And then he talked about another project he was working on where he said it was like kind of all in the ears. Yeah. And how and how to kind of like convey emotion for a creature like that being a baby. And just these behind the scenes is making me love Lucasfilm and love the Mandalorian even more getting these behind the scenes. Cause that's what I truly love about star Wars is to peek behind the curtain and find out how they make the sausage, so to speak. Yeah. That, that's always been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I just read that book, the making of the empire strikes back and just to see how they did a lot of that stuff was just, absolutely insane and i just wish they would i want to see a movie about the making of star wars i think that'd be great 
a whole movie dedicated to the production of Star Wars. Like well, higher. I'll do you one better. Instead of a movie, do like a 20-part series. I'm not... I would love to see that. I would love to see like... Everyone would. Uh, yeah, a whole movie about... Uh, uh, you know, get an actor to play George Lucas. Get actors to play other actors, you know? And then just show... Oh, you mean like a dramatic film? Yes, I'm talking okay. like... I want to see the make... And then I want to see when the movie comes out and the faces of all the kids watching it. Like for me, that would be the best. Like that movie Hugo uh, by Martin Scorsese a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. more than a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, the actress, uh, Chloe Moretz, um, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. She, yeah. you know, she's in the movie and there's a shot of her watching a movie for the first time. And she captured it. Like, like it almost brings tears in my eyes when her, mm-hmm. the camera just pans in on her face as she's like staring at the screen. And I was like, man, I want to see that, but people watching Star Wars back in 1977, you know, that's did what I you, want to see. Did you ever watch that parody film, George Lucas in Love? No. It I was a parody it. film to Shakespeare in Love. Oh my gosh, no. It I was never. a fan-made film. I never got to see the whole thing. I just saw clips, but all the characters in that parody film kind of are the characters that show up in Star Wars. Like his girlfriend was wearing like the buns with Princess Leia. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. And he had yes, a college roommate that it. spoke like Yoda. Yes, I've so heard he about the this process. One. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't I have seen it. It's out. probably on the internet. I have you, you, you probably, probably find it on it YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing though. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> about I've I've seen pictures of that. And I've, I remember there was a time when I was kind of obsessed with trying to find it, and I think something happened. I forgot. And the actor yes. looks exactly like young, yep. skinny George Lucas when he <laughs> shot A New Hope. <laughs> That's awesome. Good old George Lucas, man. God, it's cr- like I said, it's crazy to think that this seventy-plus old guy is still like in in deep in the Star Wars now, and he's and he's helping put all of this together again for everybody. And it's just oh, that's the best, man. Yeah, he, I, I don't think he'll ever really detach himself from Star Wars. I mean, we want him back. I mean, he created this, and it's almost like he knows the rules. He knows what to do, what not to do, what fits. And he's passed down that knowledge to Filoni. Mm-hmm. And Filoni is now, after that one episode of the gallery, when he when he gave that whole speech about episode how, one. Yeah, how episode one ties to Return of the Jedi. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, there's there's so much, like I said earlier, there's so much depth. Oh, yeah. And there's so much stuff just unspoken. There's, you can sense that history. And they have all the opportunity to flesh it out, give it to us on television, in the theater. And it's, yeah. I I love it, man. Yeah, and for Dominic to live out his dream to be in a cantina and be he's he's an original species and he's a unique character. There's so jealous of him. him. Yeah, being able to be in a and to walk onto a set and then there's freaking George Lucas there. Like like how I would not even be able to contain myself. Like that, my microphone broke out, but I would just start to just I would just be staring at George Mm -hmm. Lucas the whole time. Like that's him. Like he's he's here like that's insane like when he showed up at celebration i lost my mind like i was just i was like oh my gosh i'm in the same room with george lucas mind you was a huge room you know with like you know a bunch of other people just to see him and like i was like that's him like that's the guy that is the guy like i'm the reason we are doing this podcast and talking about this was because of this guy right here 
Right. You know, and that just blew me away. And that's all I would be saying the whole time. I was like, that's him. That's the dude. That's he's responsible for all of this. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah. And so, I really like to know that the fact that we were in a room with Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, yep. George Lucas, and John and Williams, John Williams. <laughs> all at the same time. We can say that we were there in 2017. We were there. I, I love the story of, um, Whenever Mark Hamill and uh, uh, and Harrison Ford were leaving, they mm-hmm. said, "Don't you want to stay for the for the for the music?" And they were like, "Eh." And they're like, "No, it's John Williams actually doing it." And they both stopped and they turned around and they were like, "We got oh my gosh, what he's here!" And they ran over to, <laughs> to hear it because I think I think they uh, thought someone they were just going to bring someone in to play the music, but when they heard it was John Williams, they both like rushed over to hear. And man, I, I've told the story before; it's one of our earlier episodes, like way back when. But I cr- I was crying. The whole time, like John Williams was up there because I was like, this is, mind you, I was exhausted from like yeah. not sleeping for a whole day and a half, but, but it was just such a surreal moment to, to be in the same room and to hear that score live and to have him up there doing it. It's just amazing. And, and kind of to, to set the, set the mood, set the scene, the reactions of John Williams appearing was like someone saw someone like, come out of the grave when when i heard those reactions i was like oh my gosh like my heart sunk i didn't know what was happening well yeah because I mean, these are reactions that- you would hear when like a traumatic life-altering event just happened mm-hmm. and of course it did because john williams showed up <laughs> i just remember like they showed that amazing video of carrie fisher and and then <laughs> And then everybody started screaming, and I'm like, "Is she back? <laughs> why is what that's is what I thought on? too? Like, that's is- honestly that's what I thought too because the reactions were so like just I don't know shocking. Like people were just if you, if you go back, if you try and watch the video, you it does not do it justice. No, I was it doesn't. sitting towards the middle. I was sitting about four rows behind the media, mm-hmm. and I was up pretty close in the middle. And those reactions, man, I was like, what is going on? If, if you go onto YouTube and look it up right now, they, you hear somebody, I don't know, who, somebody just go, oh, my God, like just yell <laughs> super loud. And, and, and the yell and the reveal of it was, I was unreal. And I just remember I was, you know, my girlfriend now, we, you know, we're married now, but I just remember I was like looking at her going, what is, did Carrie Fisher come back? And then when I saw him, I was like, it's Joe Willen. I'm over there screaming just like everyone else. Cause it was unexpected. Like who, yeah. who would have thought he would be there that he played Leia's theme. And it was, oh, it was so beautiful. It was so perfect. And then he quieted everybody down and it, ah, I played the main theme. I was like, Oh, this is, mm. this is perfection right here. <laughs> but then mind you, a lot of everybody there was exhausted. So the fact that we were all still pumped for that, I just don't understand how we all yeah. that was like pure adrenaline from everybody in the audience. That was just adrenaline there the whole time. <laughs> it was beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, and some of the other rumors I, I didn't uh, mention uh, the, the George Lucas one, I think is the, the one that's the most probable. Yeah. Um, at that same celebration though, at the 40th panel, there were some videos that some familiar faces made. And one of them, of course, well, Liam Neeson made one. We all maybe yeah. thought Liam Neeson was going to show up, but he's probably going to be in the Kenobi series. So it's not going to be has, that big news. He has to be in the Kenobi yeah. series. So Samuel L. Jackson appears 
<laughs> and he puts in a bid to come back as Mace Windu. And it's like, ah, ha, ha, he's joking around. But he was serious. And it's like, okay, well, we start thinking, okay, well, he gets his hand chopped off by Anakin. And then he gets forced lightning push outside of a skyscraper at the very yeah. top. Um, so what are the prospects for him returning? They could do a prequel thing and maybe de-age him kind of like what they did in Captain Marvel, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or they could do flashbacks in Kenobi, Jedi Council scenes, possibly. But uh, that's the rumor that Samuel L. Jackson is in talks to come back in some oh capacity. That's that's a no, like you said, that's a no brainer, man. Like, like they have to get him back. Look how look how big Samuel L. Jackson is. He was Nick Fury in Marvel. You know what I mean? So like to bring him back into the role again, that'd be that'd be perfect. For that, and I love it that he's he's constantly commenting on the fact that he's the most profitable box office star in the history of cinema. But then when Harrison Ford did the force awakens, he topped Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. And then Samuel L. Jackson in an interview, he's like, man, I'm going to make more movies now just to regain that title. That's but yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's done a lot of stuff and he's been in a lot of big stuff, including oh, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yep. He was in yeah, Die Hard. You know what I mean? Of like course, this- yeah. Die Hard. And of course all the Marvel films and then the prequels. So, man, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's I'm, pretty good, I'm man. Always, <laughs> I, I'm the person that, like, yeah, come back, come back to the family. You're part of the family. Come back. We want yep. you back. I, I, I like that kind of foundational character to come back. And I think at this point in time, Mace Windu and all the prequel characters are kind of, kind of calming, kind of like, yes, he's back. It's, it's cool to see him back. And of course, we got the news and the debut of the game show with Ahmed best. Yes. And he plays a Jedi, a Jedi host for the, for the show. And he came up with his character's name, his Jedi name. And I think there's a backstory too, to him. So we could possibly theoretically see him in some future projects. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I almost, it, it did give me, it did give me chills to see him back in in this world again, like, you know, mm-hmm. to see how horrible everybody treated him for no reason at all. I mean, there was just such a, mm-hmm. it was just, a, it was a terrible what happened back when episode one came out. But now to see him back and him like in, in charge of this show and, oh man, I'm, I'm so excited to see what's going to happen. It, it was originally a Disney plus show. And now it's a, right youtube kids youtube kids yeah star wars kids show now is uh, when it's gonna be on which is okay i mean you know but but i was given access to everyone essentially that has internet yeah true don't have to have a disney plus subscription god i hope it takes off man i think that'd be really cool and what would be even better is if they could bring in guests you know bring in Hayden Christensen as you know Anakin you know even McGregor so we would like bring them in also as like little as other you know judges and hosts for this thing that would just be the best thing in the whole world that would be a rating surge <laughs> oh heck yeah if they're like we're gonna have a special <laughs> guest and like everyone's like dude Ewan McGregor was back as Obi-Wan Kenobi on this thing and like what that would just be awesome and it sounded like they got Frank Oz back because you hear Yoda's voice and it sounds just like Frank Oz and I was like and they're building lightsabers just like you would at a, a Galaxy's Edge, like the same. Yeah. They're like the same material and everything. Yeah, I know that Ahmed Best did get to pick his lightsaber, and he built his own lightsaber as oh, well. Oh, that's so cool! I don't but, know what color blade he picked, though. 
he'll probably reveal it in like the first episode yeah. or something. Yeah, but this is cool, man. I'm 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 excited to see how that show is going to pan out. And like I said, the fact that he's back is just amazing. I'm so happy. Yeah, and I kind of want to say the next bit of news that we're going to get on the podcast is if celebration is happening or not. And I know yeah. you texted me that it seems like LA will be opening up right beforehand. No, they're opening up within the next couple of weeks. Okay. And yeah, they were, they were given, uh, they were told like to start, they could start opening again, um, which is big news because, you know, a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago, they said they were on lockdown for like three more months, but now they're getting told, all right, you can start opening up again. Uh, and so Anaheim is only like 30 minutes away from there. So we're going to see, what happens with that? Uh, I don't know. And I think within the next, in the next couple of weeks, we're, we're probably going to get the, the final yay or nay about mm-hmm. celebration. Um, personally, I don't think it's really going to happen. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, sporting events are now opening up as well. Yep. But I think they're opening up without any fans in attendance. That's exciting. So. They should have celebration <laughs> with they should have celebration with nobody there. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh any anything else today? Anything else? Uh I think that's pretty much it. Um I just want to um thank Dominic again for showing up. It was kind of a last minute yes. uh, invitation. And um yeah, you can find him at uh geckothebountyhunter.com and you can also visit the Facebook page, Lair of the Gecko. And he's also a member of our Facebook group, uh, Star Wars Stuff Podcast Facebook group, and uh, you can see him there as well, liking stuff. Uh, And we just want to give a quick shout out to, uh, I think we already did, but it's just in case, uh, we have we had a few new couple of patrons, uh, Andrew and Rachel, uh, and uh, Kenneth as well for joining our Patreon. And if you were on our Patreon, you actually just saw some logos that we have been uh, designing and, you know, preparing. And those aren't the, those are, those may be the final, but we're still tweaking them. Uh, Brooke and Nicole have been working on those up in, on the Hoth Squadron. And uh, so, yeah, if you're on our Patreon, you got to see those cool things. They may be patches. They could be coins. They could be, we're just going to figure out what we're going to do with those. We're pretty excited about that. And, um, and yeah, they, they did a again, great job. Yeah, they did an awesome job. And thank y'all for being on our on our Patreon as well for those who are there. And um, should we say what they get for the dollar? Or do you want to do that, or should we not advertise that? What do you think? <laughs> um, it's a Bobby Frick. Sure. Oh, oh yeah, you could say that. So, uh, so if you know Patreon, if you know if you join it, you get a lot of we get a, we have a, quite a bit of episodes on there. And plus you get like, sometimes you get exclusive pictures that we don't even post on Instagram. Y'all get them automatically. Uh, but for $1 on the Babu Frick tier, cause he's the smallest thing on there. So it just gets bigger. So the Babu Frick tier for $1, you can listen to all our episodes ad free because we have been getting a little bit bigger. So yeah, we have been getting some, uh, some advertisements and I know you may be like, Oh my gosh, should they go again talking about, whatever but if you don't want to listen to that for one dollar a month on our patreon you can listen ad free but for two and five dollars you also get extra extra content as well and uh, so that's that's exciting and all our episodes will come out at uh, 6 a.m mondays on patreon ad free completely and uh, so yeah there's a little advertisement there and i'll put the link down there below so you can 
Yeah, I just want to also give a special shout out to uh, Kenneth, who uh, doubled his pledge on Patreon. Yes, thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh my that gosh. was yeah, that was a pleasant surprise when we found that out. So yeah, huge shout out to you. He's been very interactive on the Facebook group yes. and on uh, Patreon. So Thank yeah, you. it's uh, pretty cool to see Star Wars fans out there that share the same passion that we have and <laughs> very true yeah and, uh, we just bought a we just bought our uh what our fifth microphone right yeah uh, yeah yeah so uh yeah thank y'all thank y'all very much for that um but yes uh thank you very much for listening to this episode and uh check out dominic's uh, information i'll put it down there below as well um and may the force be with you always 